Welcome to another episode of the Lone Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Clementson, and if you're a recruiter out on your own or just lacking general guidance or support, you've come to the right place. Our episodes are designed to give you the motivation, the mentorship, and the advice you need to become the very best Lone Recruiter. To join us, grab a cup of coffee, and let's take your desk to another level. Now, today... I'm on my quest to interview 100 recruiters, ask them the same five, the same five questions and just see what amazing results come out of those, uh, or answers come out of those questions. And uh, we're joined by Crystal from Verve Partners up in Newcastle. Crystal, welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. It's uh, nice to meet you. Nice to be on here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you, you came on to this. We don't know each other prior to having a chat today, just for people at home. I, I noticed that you had been following the podcast. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to reach out and say, hey, I see you following. Do you want to jump on? And you were like, yes, let's do it. So I love it. I love it. <laughs> way to build a network. That's it. That's it. So look, I, for my benefit and for everyone listening at home, would love to hear your background, your journey in recruitment and, and how you got to where you are now. Um, give us, mm-hmm. give us. Your life story in 60 seconds, go. Yes, I've been in recruitment for 15, 15 odd years. Um, only been with two two uh, firms over that time, one being a tier one for about 12 years, and then I moved over to Verve Partners three years ago, um, was their business manager, um, and then become an owner of the business um, with the other two partners in September last year. So. Uh, through 12 months in as a business owner, which has been a, a great ride and a great journey. Wonderful. And you, you know what? And you would you would probably attest to this. I see a lot of recruiters' CVs and for someone with that much experience, having only worked for two recruitment agencies is rare. And I'm the same. I've worked for one one place prior to, to where I am now and it's been 16 years and only two, two employers or well, two places of work. So I don't know. I just well, don't see it. I guess it's one of those things, it's the same job no matter where you go. So you may as well maintain your brand and, and continue to build your, your business under the brand that you've been on rather than moving around. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm actually quite excited to get into it because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna guess there's some gold in what you've got to, uh, for our questions today. So we'll jump into it straight away. Um, as always, the first one is if you only had one KPI to measure your desk or to measure where you're at in in, um, in the recruitment land, what is the KPI that you're gonna measure? Yeah, such an interesting question. I think first off is I'm not a big believer on hard KPI targets. Um, You know, what I've experienced over the years is they're high numbers, um, which lead to very low conversions if they're not done correctly. So every activity should offer a quality return. um, And every recruiter should always be asking themselves what every KPI activity um, they do. What is my return on investment? You know, and if you can't define what that is, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, specifically one KPI is hard is simply because it's all dependent on the discipline that an individual works across and what KPI um, works for them to um, achieve the highest converted outcomes. Um, I would probably say my most favourite is definitely face-to-face meetings with clients though. I think the connectivity that you can have and the relationships that you can create from those can certainly give you a lot more than, than anything else um, and building that network and foundations. If you don't get anything out of that individual, chances are if you build a good relationship, you know, it becomes a referral-based um, element as well. So mm. they're probably my most favourite uh KPI, if you'd like to call it, but it really does depend on what gets the best outcomes. I like that, and we've actually we're not a KPI-driven environment whatsoever, and um, but 
I think everyone knows what they need to do in a certain period of time mm. or at a given moment, and that essentially is a KPI or a goal or a metric that that we that if you had to measure something, you would go by. And we've actually just started asking that question at the beginning of the week, like, what's the metric that matters this week for you? Like, is it generating CVs? Is it closing deals? Is it getting interviews? And it's going to be different from week in, week out. And that was the penny drop moment for us is that what's the point in KPIs that are just blanket numbers, uh, yeah. which are really just a way to, to make sure you're doing your job. But if we trust people to do what they do and they're good at what they do, well, we don't need them. You know what you That's need to correct. do. And yeah. ultimately it comes down to the ROI, return on investment. That's it. That's it. Um, lovely answer. So the second one is, and, I, and this one I hate asking, but because we all know just how dangerous that is, but if you had limited time, you saw this CV drop in, it was fantastic, you know it's in your market, you're excited to see it, but you look at the clock, you've got, you've got for whatever reason, only three questions you're allowed to ask this, this candidate. What are the three questions? And this is a hypothetical, you would never ask a candidate just three questions, let's put that out there. But for the, for, the, for the sake of the game, what are the three questions you're gonna ask at interview if that's all you could ask? And such a hard question. Like very rarely would I ever spend less than 45 minutes with someone, which is so many questions. Mm -hmm. You know, aside from, I guess, aside from the obvious, which is situational, behavioral, technical, problem solving, um, I would ask a candidate what is, um, is the role that I'm interviewing them for their first preference or are there other roles that are preferable to them to really get engaged their honesty behind that and and get an understanding of whether or not we're we're sitting in their preferred role and you'd um, ask that you'd ask that right at the start so you're assuming they're applied or they know a bit about the brief oh right at the start I mean I guess right at the start you're you you're getting an understanding of what direction they want to head where they want to be mm. um, what what attractive um, employers are out there in the market um, what role is going to see them um, you know fulfilled and for what mm. period of time um, you know biggest question of all you know why why are you leaving your current role why can't your current employer offer this to you what is going on there at the moment um, I mean they would be my initial ones. Um, I guess I the actually, nail. I, I actually, I'm loving. Sorry to cut you off. I, I, I love this. Um, I know it comes later, but you know this role versus what else you're looking at. Where does it rank? Like, what's your ranking of preferences? We all ask that question. But if they have applied to an ad and you give them that brief and, and what that looks like, asking them that question is actually quite valid too. Like, how does this role sit with the other ones that you're looking at? And that's when it comes out. Oh, I'm actually, I've kind of started looking at government in-house roles, and you go. Okay, is that where you want to go? Not really. I just thought I'd check it out. Okay, so mine's a consulting role. Um, how's that going to fit in then compared to these government roles? I actually like it. I actually really like it up front. I also think it gives you, especially in the current market, it allows you to understand what would entice them more to the role that you're currently recruiting, which means you can go back and you can do a redesign with your client. If you've got the perfect candidate mm. and they've got a role, but it's not quite what that candidate's looking for, who's to say we can't redesign to make it right? So, you know, I like to be able to gauge that information so I can take it back to a client and sort of say, hey, this is a possibility. What are your thoughts? This person can add this value to you. You weren't necessarily looking for it, but this could do wonders for your business. Cool, cool. So was that one question? What have we got? What questions have we asked? <laughs> <laughs> so the first one, I guess my without all of the introductive um, questions, it was, mm -hmm. yeah, um, what's their preference? Uh, my other one is what attribute do you offer that other candidates can't offer in this role and to the employer? 
Okay. Um, and where do you see yourself taking this role? Um, you know, where do they see that role taking them? But at, in what duration? Because then you can get an understanding of the tenure and how long they're going to be there and what point do they start getting at your feet and, mm. again, information for the client so they know how to really um, support that individual on their journey. Cool. I like that. I really like that. Yeah. Turn, turn that question into another cell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always, um, always doing it, right? Never always, stop. That's it, that's <laughs> it. Um, I, I should interject, are you still actively on a desk now that you're... Um, you're no, 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 I'm not actively on the tools as such. Uh, definitely mm -hmm. I'm constantly out, always speaking to clients and, and networking and, and mm -hmm. being on client meetings and things like, things like that, but not actively running a desk as such. I'll jump in when need and if need be with the team, if they're stretched, um, if they're on leave or whatever that might be. But... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, not on the tools every day. Cool, cool. Um, third question for you is when you did have those candidates in front of you, you had the offer and you had to close them, what is your closing question or what is your closing approach? Oh, I find this one the hardest one because it also, also depends on the individual and, and their motivators. Like, mm. you know, I generally find that I tailor it to what their, I guess, um, their soft spot is, um, you know, and, and how you can really influence them. Um, but I guess the key things, if I didn't, wasn't necessarily focusing on that, you know, what or what would or could stop you from progressing. Um, and obviously, um, historically, I've always come to realise that um, uh, candidates, if they're married or they've got partners, they really do like to loop in with them and make sure they're making the right decision. And and that has stopped the process sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. So really understanding, a, a good understanding of around what could or would stop you from progressing and is there anything that anyone else you need to influence in this decision-making um, process? And if you were offered the role, would you take it? Uh, I think there's a, an assumption made, and I've seen this many, many times, that... You, your client comes back to you and says, hey, we want to offer this candidate. You read the candidate really excited. You know, hey, they, you know, um, we want to offer you the role. It's so exciting. Client wants to offer you. So I don't want it. Mm -hmm. You know, so really gauging, um, you know, how they feel about the role. Would they take it if it was offered to them? And what would that look like? Mm -hmm. And would you typically do that prior to releasing the offer? Yes, Absolutely. I would do it before I would even go and get um, go and understand where my client was at. First and foremost, I understand where my candidate's at, how they feel, what their feedback is, how they're positioned, even understanding their timeline, um, you know, around next stages. You know, are they going on holiday? What's their notice periods? We generally find out a lot of information, but how often do we revisit it? And I think that's, that's sometimes missed. You know, yeah. let's just recap. Last mm. time we spoke, you said four weeks notice. You've got, you're going to take a week off to spend with the family, have a bit of a break. So literally five weeks before you can start, just want to make sure that's still the same. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I, think I saw a Greg, Greg Savage post not that long ago and it was just, just asked a simple question. Has anything changed? What's changed? Assume yeah. something's changed. What's yeah. changed? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And things change. And I think people forget when people are looking for work or jobs, or considering changing their client, uh, their company, or or job situation, there's always something else happening as well. Like there's a there's changes in the air, and they get excited, and change influences other parts of their business. Uh, there are other parts of their life as well, right? Yeah, <clears throat> so absolutely. There's always moving parts. Yeah, mm. definitely. Cool. Um, okay, F fourth question. Uh, counter offer. 
How do you Ooh. handle counteroffer? It's our favourite. Yeah. I know it's a it's a sore spot. That's that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I always I, when I'm speaking to candidates, I always prep them around. Do you anticipate that you'll receive a counteroffer from your current employer? You know, what would you do if that was to happen? So, and, and I actually say that you know, have you reconsidered what this would look like? And just keep it top of yeah. mind throughout the process. Now, and I, I tend to plant a seed in the fact that you know, firstly, an employee should be offended. Um, by a counter offer because it means it means that they didn't value the individual prior to them actually handing the resignation and didn't see the value of them you know mm. if they've got a counter offer why weren't they paying that previously so that will generally be the, the small seed that I would plant you know and a counter offer does not fix you know the reasons why that individual is leaving so you know whilst there might be a little bit more money on the table you're still going to be faced with the same problem and the same issue as to why you're actually leaving the role and the employer in the first place mm. um you know so they're probably the key things that i i would bring up um i'd certainly you know revisit their motivations revisit their reasonings and and why they want to leave and the benefits of the role that they're about to take um, and reiterate the reasons why that departure has come, um, you know, why are you actually leaving? Because that's the reason and that's the motivation behind moving on to the next role. You know, but I also think, I also say to the candidate, be really curious um, about why that you've received the counter offer and what are the expectations if you accept it? You know, if someone's putting another 10, 15, 20 grand on the table, well, what are the expectations behind it? You know, and are they truly being valued or is it because the employer, one, is scared or two, you know, doesn't have the resources to go and recruit that vacancy again or whatever that might be, do they, are they actually counter-offering because they are of value? Um, but then I have to question, if they are of value, why didn't they offer it previously? I like you, I, I, I think you would have been a great consultant when you're on a desk because <laughs> you're, you, it sounds like you don't tell people. You kind of lead them down a path through questions. Just just ask them questions and let them answer them. Like I love that approach, right? Because it doesn't feel like you're pushing at all. And I think for any junior recruiter out there, it's a great way to, you know, we, there's a lot of times where we, we talk counter-offer and we want to throw all this information at them and just hope that it sticks, but that's not how you're going to get it into them. You've got to ask them those questions as you've just eloquently put, right? Yeah, and what I've what I've come to learn is you you let pe you lead people down the path to come to their own conclusion um, mm. because people don't like to be forced into a decision. No. But if you put various scenarios on the table and make them think, plant that seed, they'll come to the right conclusion in the end. Absolutely agree. Last question: We are at yes. what fifteen minutes now, so it's uh, <clears throat> probably maxing out where we want to be. I don't think I don't see you as the sort of person that ever feels like they're in a slump whether it be on your desk or emotionally, but how do you get yourself out of a slump? Oh, look, we're all human, so we all have a slump, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I do tend to think with age, you tend to actually deal with your slumps a lot easier than do when you're actually younger. Mm. But um, I think the most important thing is to allow yourself to be in the moment and feel the feels. Um, don't, don't suppress them. You know, feel the feels, let them be there, be curious about them, um, but also be quick to open the door and let them back out. You know, let them know they're not welcome. Um, I'm a big believer that you should surround yourself with uh, people, the right people, you know. So who you want to be, surround yourself with those sort of people, you know. So if you are in a slump, make sure you've got the people around you that you want to be uplifted by. Mm. 
you know, and every good operator should. And if if you're a young recruiter out there, you know, look into this. You should always have a mentor and or mentors. Um, they don't have to be someone that you necessarily pay. It might be just someone who's been through the journey that you've been through, um, you know, five or ten years ago, and and you decide decide that they're your person for the moment. Mm. You know, and constantly be looping in with your mentor and mentors, and and talk to them, and and you know, let them help you out of that slump that you're in. Um, and also think, allow time to reflect and reset and, you know, refer back to your goals, you know, and why you're doing what you're doing and how did you get to the setback that you're in. And I think if you have reached a setback, um, you know, depending on the situation, what's the learning moment? I'm huge, especially with my team, with everything that they go through. You know, what have you learned right now? Um, you know, how is that going to make you a better recruiter and ensure that, you know, you don't actually repeat it again. So every piece um, of, a, of a challenge or a situation or, or setback that you have, you have to learn from it. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, look, thank you so much for jumping on all the way from thank sunny, you. sunny Newcastle today. It's definitely sunny. Definitely spring. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look, that's all we have time for you today, guys. As always, share it, like it, rate it. Uh, we're loving the feedback coming through. We're loving the support. So thank you. We're going to wrap this thank one you. up. As always, have an amazing day and may all your deals come true.